0: Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramus, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. Now, the last couple of weeks, you've heard a message titled The Roots and Fruits of the New Apostolic Reformation. The book that we're about to discuss, it was written by Dutch Sheets. It's titled Intercessory Prayer. It says it has over 600,000 copies sold. As we were reading through this book, it just became very clear that this is the theology that he holds, at least in certain areas. And so kind of keep in the back of your mind what we learned the last couple weeks as we talk about this book. And if you want, you can go to the CIC website, cicministry.org, and you can print the article on the roots and fruits of the New Apostolic Reformation. That's issue number 103. Do you want to just give us a few of the concerning things from the New Apostolic Reformation that we're going to see come up in this book?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. The There's no claim so grandiose that they won't make it. Okay. So the idea is that there are, in church history, there will arise apostles and prophets greater than the biblical ones. And that church history is a process of the restoration of various things. We talked about that in that one article I wrote. And the pietism, the grandiose claims, there's nothing that makes these people blush. I mean, you would think that when you start calling yourself the greatest this, that, and everything else that came along, the great apostles and the great people that are going to change history and bring in the kingdom and so on, you'd think they'd at least get a little pause to blush a little bit and say, are you sure that we should make such great claims as this? Right. But they don't. They, They are absolutely convinced that they are the greatest thing that ever arrived in church history
0: yes all right now i'm just talking about dutch sheets here so from the dutch sheets website it says this dutch sheets ministries is an apostolic prophetic and teaching ministry that is used to empower christians throughout america and the world Dutch is known for his apostolic and prophetic anointing and gifted teaching, cutting through challenging beliefs and bringing revelation and alignment to many believers. So that's his own statement on his own website. Right. We're not making claims about him that he does not make himself.
1: Well, that's all code for the, the apostles and prophets. That's how they talk to each other. Yes. it gets even more grandiose. Okay. And, for example, the new breed of man, and we are the ones that finally showed up, and alignment, all, this is all code for their post-millennial, greater miracles than the Bible had, and so on and so forth. Literally, there's nothing so arrogant, grandiose, or audacious that they won't claim it and then rebuke anybody that questions them.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: Because in the 80s I I started resisting this sort of thing and correcting it. And you wouldn't believe the pushback, the the really nasty pushback I got from people that used to be my friends.
0: Right. And they all say the same thing touch not the Lord's anointed, which is not even (laughs) not even the meaning of that.
1: That's that's handy. Yeah. Yeah, if you correct us, then you're a wicked sinner. Right. And what gets lost in that is the gospel, faith in God, sanctification, repentance, trusting the promises of God. Ordinary Christianity, based on Scripture, gets lost in all these glorious grand claims that they make.
0: Right. And really, this whole book is... Grand claims about how God can't act and God can't work until we start doing,
1: yeah, what
0: what He tells us to do in this book.
1: That's exactly right. And that's, I noticed that in the 80s, they will make a big claim about what God cannot do, right? So, God wants to do all these great things, but He cannot unless we cooperate, yeah. Wow. When people get called out on that, they just will accuse those who correct their error of grieving the Holy Spirit. And they'll say things like, well, we had this big revival going, but when you start questioning what we're doing, then you grieve the Holy Spirit. Oh, wow. So then the Holy Spirit is pleased when false teaching comes into the church, according to their thinking.
0: And that should be shocking. You know, last year we did that series we called The Dishonoring of God and popular spiritual warfare teachings. That just kept coming to mind to me as I was reading this book. This is dishonoring God. This is giving man the glory that rightfully belongs to God and blaming man for anything that doesn't go the way we think it ought to.
1: Yes, and you see that in the theology that shows up in this book, including... Mm -hmm. His view of what Adam was like before the fall, what role Adam had in the garden, and then salvation history, everything like that has a skewed, uh, convoluted theology that really is not grounded in Scripture alone.
0: Right. Now, let's let's start with that, because really his book starts with this dominionist theology and his view of... (laughs) Adam's role and the responsibilities that God gave him. Do you just want to kind of give us an overview of this version of dominionist theology?
1: Well, it's very similar to the word of faith. In fact, I made note of that in here. I call it word of faith heresy. Yes. So on page 35, he says, so complete and final was Adam's authority over the earth that he not just God, had the ability to give it away to another. Wow. And then he cites Luke 4 about that. Okay. That's pretty typical.
0: Yeah. You know what, though? I hear that one used a lot. Let's take a second and let's just read that verse and discuss Luke's meaning. Okay. Okay, so uh, Satan in Luke four, six through seven, as he tempted Jesus, I will give you all this domain and its glory for it has been handed over to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall all be yours. The, The claim is that this shows that Adam handed Satan dominion. He gave it over to Satan and we have to get it back. Is that what Luke was trying to say?
1: Well, it's not what Luke was trying to say. It's certainly not what Moses was saying in Genesis. Right. All the way back in Genesis, there's already a plan of salvation through the seed of the woman. Right. And the point in Luke is that Jesus resisted every temptation in the wilderness, and he succeeded where Israel had failed. Yes, Okay, so Israel, at the Exodus, had gone into the wilderness and failed at each temptation. Right. Okay, so Luke's point is that Jesus is the faithful son. Remember, in the Exodus, that out of Egypt, I've called my son. So Jesus is the faithful son who succeeded where Israel failed. Yes. So along comes the word of faith, teachers, and the New Apostolic Reformation, and the other versions of Pietism. And they're saying, no, actually, uh, Satan was telling the truth there.
0: Wow. You know, you really can't put a lot of stock in what Satan says about anything.
1: Well, the only point that matters is Luke's. Luke is the Holy Spirit-inspired author. And I've been teaching through Luke Acts now for a big chunk of, of uh the last 15 years yes and luke acts is one of the magnificent books in the bible it's a two-volume work and luke is very good at telling us what his point is okay and so the point is that jesus is the faithful son even though israel had been unfaithful
0: right now, what Dutch sheet says in this next paragraph here is the part about the domain being handed over to him was true and Jesus knew it.
1: Okay, so why didn't Luke why didn't Luke make that very clear? Right. So Jesus knows that that Satan is telling the truth.
0: That's not found in the text.
1: No, it it, it misses the point altogether. And I can assure our listeners that when you hear the truth taught and laid out, and understand the scripture for what it says, it's so powerful. And these contrived interpretations that are so popular, make no sense whatsoever. Right. It just doesn't. No. And what it does say is very powerful. Yes. So the fact is that this is, what I, I use the word contrived. In other words, this is the way I want it to be. And if I make it this way, Adam is the exact representative of God on the earth. And Adam is going to represent God. And then Jesus believes that Satan was telling the truth. And he's going to gain back what Adam lost. And there's going to be a battle. And we're going to be able to get control over things. And so on and so forth. And for some really bad reason... These false teachers feel comforted that somehow God is lacking the ability to bring forth his purposes on the earth. Right. And just rereading this today. Yep. God wants to get it done, but he can't unless we cooperate. That comforts them.
0: Which I just do not even understand.
1: I'll tell you why it comforts them is because they don't want to give God the glory. Right. They don't want to humble themselves and say, if God uses us, it's a great miracle of grace. And they miss the whole point of the church age. They miss the whole point of the real apostles and prophets. They make false judgments. They make false claims. And they're so winsome. Now, I used to go to those meetings, okay, in the 70s and 80s. Uh, I know what it's like, okay? And a lot of these people get a big crowd and get the people all excited and we're going to conquer. We got this going and we've got that going. And it makes everybody seem really excited. But it's not biblical. And if you think that false teaching has the power of God behind it, you're sadly mistaken.
0: Right. And they're clever, too. So. Here's a quote from Dutch Sheets where he appears to say, well, God is sovereign, but watch how he twists it. So though God is sovereign and all powerful, scripture clearly tells us that he limited himself concerning the affairs of earth to working through human beings. Now, of course, my question to him would be, well, where's where's the scripture passage? Where's the reference? Where does it say this?
1: Uh, I just made a note of bad theology. Yeah. Really bad theology. And then uh, if you look at some of these claims here, that God is limited, God can only work through certain people. Without question, humans were for, for forever to be God's link to authority and activity on the earth, he says. And so this is, I, I use the term a lot lately, contrived. yes. It's a contrived theology that doesn't naturally follow from what's taught. And I would suggest, and I don't know how many people anymore are willing to do this, but before you invest yourself in these apostolic reformation or the word of faith or the prophetic claims, the pietism, and so on, before you do that, in fact, before you start making theological claims, why not spend decades carefully expounding scripture from the original language, verse by verse by verse by verse? So ground your theology in exegesis. Yes. But they don't ever do that. They, They never do that. And if somebody challenges their exegesis, which I finally started doing... They get very defensive and angry and say, who, who are you? You're crucifying me. Who are you to challenge me? Who do you think you are? Well, the Bible means if we can understand what God said, that's powerful. But you're making claims that aren't biblical. Right. Where did you get this theology? Do you, um, usually
0: they, they get it from each other.
1: Yeah, they go to seminars and they have people that are very... Um, how would you say, motivational. I'd be like a salesman who's a motivational speaker. Okay. Okay, that could sell penny stocks or whatever. And so they get all excited that this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And I got to say, the group I was in, in the 70s, to my shame, was associated with this. Ern Baxter was one of the five so-called Fort Lauderdale five. He was a, associated with you apostolic reformation okay so they claim the problem is we lost apostles and prophets all right and so until we recover apostles and prophets the church is going to be really pathetic and not going to fulfill our destiny right so if you go to a booksellers convention i did in the some years ago okay biggest display this giant display uh you go you walk right in the biggest display right there is called destiny image
0: okay what's destiny image
1: it's the word of faith the power the apostles and so on wow and they sell more books than just about anyone and the people writing these books could not pass a Theology 101 class, no matter what, because they would fail every time. They don't know even basic Christian theology, nor do they have any interest in learning it. Yes. So long as you get a big crowd, you get motivated, miracle guidance stories. um, I see that in here. I Mm -hmm. did this and I did that. I mean, this isn't just the Apostles and Prophets. The, that's been around for a long time, as that article that, that we did shows. But various versions of evangelicalism has their own version of this. Okay. I noticed that you mentioned praying hide or there's always some really great Christian, way beyond anything us ordinary people could ever be. And that's what happened. That's what that's what we should emulate.
0: Right. And we hear that all the time. Or even just in, in people with you know on social media and people put out their, their prayer requests and well, I need a mighty man of God to do a work through his prayer.
1: And well, like the problem with that, I've been preaching in First Corinthians chapter three, and and I'm going into chapter four. There's a passage there that I was looking at again this last week. Is utterly important and most mostly we miss it. Okay. That's 1 Corinthians 4, or 5. I jotted that down today when I was looking at this material. Do not go on passing judgment before the time. Okay. Let me in fact, I'll pull that up here. In other words, if you read in Hebrews, the great people of faith that believe the promises of God. We believe that because Hebrews is inspired scripture. Yes. But what was going on in Corinth was that they thought they could decide that Paul was a pathetic apostle and somebody else was a much better one. And they were making these judgments that they can't make. Okay. They're claiming who's really good. So let me read 1 Corinthians 4 5. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's heart, and then each man's praise will come to him from God. Then he said, I figuratively applied these to Apollos, myself and Apollos for your sake. They were making false judgments. About people, the Bible tells our quality. Okay, Paul yeah. Said, and and uh, Paul, and Paul said, "Don't do that." So who are these? Who is this Dutch Sheets, who thinks he has the right to do exactly what Paul said not to do? Pass judgment before the time. Declare who is the great man of God. Declare who has enough power and persistence to to get a prayer answered. And then make theological claims that are so off the wall that it's embarrassing that someone would be making such claims in the name of Christ. Yes. And so I would like to know when did you get the permission to do exactly what Paul said not to do in 1 Corinthians 4 5? I wrote that down in the margin here. Yeah. So, how do you know that your favorite great person of prayer? is better than somebody else. You think you know that, but you have no way to actually know that.
0: Right. It's not something that we can determine on our own.
1: God knows the motives of the heart, and we're all tainted. Yes. It really doesn't make sense to tell people what great people we are.
0: So in reading through this first chapter of the book, one thing that really stood out to me is he really paints God as this needy being and us as the strong ones who are going to come to the rescue. That, How would you explain that?
1: Well, it's really bad reading of the Bible and church history, I'll tell you that. Okay. A lot of people think that they comfort people by giving them more power. Yes. Yeah, maybe God seems more fair if he's trying to run his own universe, but not able to do so. right. And so some great person of God comes along and then something happened. And um, Christians are susceptible to that. In other words, we want to associate with somebody who's really great. Yes. But we can't even really know that. Right. What we can know is the gospel, the truth of the word of God, our eternal hope, and God's promises. And we can't, He's so sure that we know who the great person of God is.
0: Right. You know, and in this first chapter, he tells the story of this lady who was in a coma for years and he went and prayed for her daily. And in the end, she wakes up from a coma, which was a miracle. But God doesn't get the glory in his story. He gets the glory for having prayed for her for so long. It it was really very shocking, the way he portrayed this.
1: Well, I was in a group like that. I was in a pietist group. And um, here's what what you'll find out in the long run. Okay. Some of the most kind-hearted, wonderful people that we knew that were in that perfectionist group, that pietist group, when they got to the end of life, knowing the Lord and trusting him, they were beside themselves with fear and hopelessness.
0: And that's so sad because they had been faithful their whole life.
1: Well, they were sold this idea that they're going to have something more than ordinary Christianity. And so then why, do why do people get sick? Why do people die? And why did I end up in the hospital at the end of my life? Now, What you don't see in this approach that Dutch Sheets is promoting is such things as forgiveness of sins, the gift of eternal life, redemption, atonement, and eternal hope. Mm -hmm. It's all about what we get done now and how glorious it is. Yes. And the people that get run over are elderly saints who just serve and they're, they're already, how would you say it? Wracked with doubts and guilt, Mm -hmm. honest people are. Right. So, the sad thing about this whole approach is that the honest people get beat up by these people who never think twice that there might be something wrong with them. Right. And I've seen that a lot. Yeah. It's not right. It's not right that widows and orphans and needy people. Are made to think that they're the way they find their status is hitching their wagon to one of these great men of God.
0: Yeah. All right. Do you have anything you want to add before we close?
1: Well, this just keeps happening. And I would, again, just go to 1 Corinthians 4 5 and let that sink in. I don't want us to feel hopeless because God uses us. He forgives us, and God does work through ordinary Christians to do extraordinary things, but it's not because we're so super pious or God needs us. Right. Because he's merciful and loving, and this whole approach here is going to harm people. It always does.
0: All right, we are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as year's worth of articles at the website, cicministry.org. While you're there, click on Contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit, with one mind, and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramas.
1: And Bob DeWay.